What's going on people and welcome to a brand new episode of Too Many Games and Not Enough Time where I get to speak to incredible creators from all across the globe. Now we've started a discord so make sure you come and join us. We are doing a competition specifically just for people who join the discord. It's fine if you're already there you can still join the competition and we are back on your favorite podcasting services so you can listen to us on spotify whatever but if you're over there make sure you come to the youtube and give us a thumbs up and give us a like now one of the things i really love about too many games is when i get to meet a creative that i've never met before someone that i don't even know too much about but their vibe is ton up we can talk about games and i'm super excited so we are inviting the one and only Harvey Newman onto too many games. What's going on, my G? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ah, oh, man, what an intro. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Midas. You know, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I've been watching your stuff, your energy. You know what I mean? Your energy is everything. So, like, you know, I appreciate your work and the work that you're doing for all the gamers out there, man. As a game developer, I appreciate that. Harvey thank you so much for the kind words now we met via youtube and one of the things that i love about this space is there's so many hungry people and people like look i want to network i want to get stuff done and i'm one of those people like one of my biggest strengths is my network and Mm -hmm. my communicational skills and instantly i was like raw i've got a podcast you want to jump out and you was on it no Mm -hmm. long thing no back and forth let's just get it done do it so we got here got you here and we're going to talk about some games so Let's take you back. I want to talk about Little Harvey. You get me when you was a little, little man. Um, tell me about your initial gaming experience. What's the games that really made you say, wow, this gaming thing is amazing. Oh man, damn. I go back, man. I go back. I might, I might have a baby face, but like I'm for, I'm 42 years old as of two weeks ago. So. Oh, black like, don't crack my G. I love you know, to see it. Black you know, don't crack. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I go back to the N64 game, NES, NES times, even Spectrum, Spectrum 128K. Oh, oh you're taking it back, back. Man, way back. Spectrum, you know. Way, way back, man. I used to actually play games, Manic Miner. You know what I mean? Like it was, it's like it was good times. So, first, first game that actually absolutely made made me love games, and I remember perfectly that I'm like this, this, this has legs. It was Mario 64. To okay. Day, yeah. To this day, I remember the reviews, like reviewers around the world, like going like, "We never give a hundred to a game. Hundred out of hundred, we're gonna give Mario 64 that." And it was basically the game that gave us 3D. You know what I mean? Yeah. A playable 3D that you could actually, that didn't, Sony tried it and stuff, but he just, it was a mess, give you headaches and stuff. But Mario, man, they just nailed it. I mean, typical Nintendo, you know what I mean? <laughs> What's funny is I thought you was going to take me back to something like Alex the Kid. I thought no. you was going to take me back to something like Wonder no. Boy. But it's so interesting what you say about Mario 64 because... Yeah. At that time, like Nintendo were Nintendo led the the charge when it came to 3D platformers. 100%. And then Sega came in at, with Sonic and stuff, and they kind of really changed the game of it. And then when Sony came, 
that was a time where no one really knew what a 3D platformer was meant to be. Yep. And you had things like Crash Bandicoot, where yep. it's kind of following you behind. And Nintendo being Nintendo, like you said, they they just think so much out, out the box. And the N64, even down the, to the controller, a lot of people cuss it, but that oh, no, no, analog, that analog stick oh. was mind-blowing like That's what a lot great. of people don't realize is like the first playstation didn't have an analog stick like no. there wasn't analog sticks before that it was d-pad yeah. and they came with this analog stick and you was literally mario running around a That's castle it. and then jumping in pictures to go to a new world like how yeah. was your mind blown the first time you jumped oh, into man. one of those paintings it was incredible man that, that was when i first that was the first time i remember perfectly that was the first time that i looked up who made this game who was the game director the guy that actually came up with these ideas then that's when i started respecting miyamoto you know what i mean because it's very much like apple like if this happens it needs to happen for a reason and it needs to be fun and be reactive to the player and the player needs to feel something that's when i was like you know what this games is much more than just fun you know what i mean yeah. this is it's a lot of thought into it and what's crazy as well is because i was talking about this on a recent episode of um too many games that like PlayStation, like I'm a big PlayStation game. I started as a Nintendo. Well, funny enough, I started as a Sega kick. Then I became like Nintendo. Sega Saturn? Um, no, I Mega started Drive? with Master System. Master System? No, yeah. Um, yeah. So Master System 2, Alex the Kid inside, you get me? Yes, inside yes, the thing yes. and everything. Classic, classic. Um, and then I went to a Nintendo and it was all about Nintendo until I got the PlayStation. And like, yeah. I love PlayStation. PlayStation oh, and man. Nintendo are the two consoles that I always champion. Yeah. But... Um, and uh, people always talk about how iconic the PlayStation 1 was, which it was, but the N64 was oh, incredible. Man. Like, could you imagine the sa the N64, and I've said this before, but I don't care, I'm repeating myself. The N64 had Mario 64, yep. it had Ocarina of Time, Golden it Eye. had GoldenEye, right. it had Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo like it had... It had F-Zero, it had Mario Kart 64, like it oh, had some everything. of the greatest games yeah. that ever were made. And all of those games now kind of really replicated. Like I am the yeah. biggest Zelda fan oh, yeah. and Breath of the Wild is the first game, that first Zelda game that's made me question if Ocarina of Time is not my favorite game. No yeah. other game in the series Agreed. has been able to talk to Ocarina of Time. I couldn't. And do you remember the graphics when the, when the Nintendo 64 came out? Because the graphics, that silky smooth graphics that everybody was looking at the cartridge going like, how, do you, how can they actually... <laughs> You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're used to the the, the NES cartridge because it was yeah. like just like, you know, pixels and stuff. But all of a sudden you have Donkey Kong looking real nice, right? Mario 64 looking real nice. Harvey, do you remember you and three of your brethren could be in one room together oh. playing a game at the same time? GoldenEye like, all the Golden way, Eye, Golden Garden. Coach Co-op. Yeah, it's like all about their life. Just like, oh, 100%, 100%, it was a different look. You can and you can tell we're oldies. Like 100%. we're we're just <laughs> we're just we're just in our zone. Yeah, and you know, and you know what else was awesome? The peripherals of the Nintendo sixty four. Remember that bazooka that they had? I never seen that before. You know what I'm saying? That well, was really really cool. Well, just talking about peripherals, um, the N sixty four is what uh, invented Rumble because yeah. they had the Rumble pack that you pushed in the that bottom. You into the, yeah. Um, so yeah. Nintendo, 
revolutionized stuff and people take things that nintendo do and like because i always say like i love my playstation 5 and i say the best thing about the playstation 5 is the dual sense controller oh, and the dual sense just feels like a grown-up nintendo controller feels yeah. like something nintendo would do and they've taken stuff from um everything nintendo done but taking it onto another level well, here, here's the thing though and i know that we're actually going off topic here but i think that this new ps5 controller is the best invention since the original controller and i feel like sony has been on just making hardware better so we can have better graphics but arguably since the very first ps1 right you didn't really had anything that was genuinely like you know groundbreaking right yeah. with any console because they all look the same they're just more powerful it's been like that all the time and finally they actually made something that was like everybody's like man this feels like the next gen of, of controllers right but what's really weird is sony did kind of do that but they did it in their own way so if you think back to the original playstation a yep. lot of people was using that for games and for playing music and yep. then when we had our playstation 2 people were using that for dvds and playing games like that was a lot of people's first dvd player that most is people did, most people did it, this yeah that most was, people that, did. Was actually, that was actually yeah. like when people actually was like oh you want to play dvds should i get a playstation or a dvd player ah, exactly like most people was yeah. that was their dvd player so True. they was even though they had a uh, there and then blu-ray so they have but i feel like that's the first time they revolution the revolutionized um controllers which controllers, is yeah super dope Completely. so how did you decide mm. obviously you said mario was something that really made you look into oh brah who makes games and who creates this thing when yeah. did you get to the point where you're like, do you know what? I actually want to work in this industry. This isn't something that I just want to do from mm. a um, spectator view. Yeah. So I actually, 2002, I think it was, um, London. So um, I was actually working uh, retail at that point, like bad jobs and stuff. Can you curse here, by the way? Uh, yeah, say we all yeah. are say. Ah, cool. So <laughs> shit job, <laughs> shit job. Like like earning like very little money, and I had a friend of a friend that actually worked QA, right? Okay. And for at that point in time, pretty much, I mean, there was no not a lot of phones and anything. There's still Nokia's and Samsungs, and like oh, the internet was pretty much non-existent. So, like, like you just can call somebody and be like, can you actually get me a job in the place that you are that you actually work? And at that point. It was actually the first job that I got. It was uh, doing certification. So for those that don't know, basically when you develop a game, both Microsoft and, Play and PlayStation, they have a certification process that developers have to follow a huge book of rules. Yeah, to get to on the platform. To get on the platform, yeah. But for that to pass, they have a massive amount of testers that actually have to play the game to find bugs, right? To, to actually try to break the game as much as possible so they can actually rectify anything big. So I was one of those, right? I was actually, I got a job as one of those. And to me, it felt like the best job ever. Like they pay me money to actually play games eight hours a day, every single day for a week. And I was like, man, this is life. This is, this is the life right now. I'm living my dream. So I started doing that. And it was funny that um, when I started doing it, because it was contract work, they would only call you if you were a good gamer, right? Ah. Yeah, yeah, so you would have to actually finish a game within a, at least a couple of days. And I'm talking about like 40, 20 hour games or something like that. You have to finish in like 
ridiculous amount of time and on top of that find bugs like critical bugs that actually might be game breaking so they actually can catch it before it goes into the public so it became a, a, a very much a competition thing even though you have your mates and stuff but very much like the couch co-op that we had back in n64 it was yeah. all about like i'm better than you in this but you are better than, than, than i in this racing whatever and it was actually the first time that you played xbox live you know remember when everybody started playing like online games and stuff so there was a lot of fun. I remember playing Knights of the Old Republic. So I QA'd that. I QA'd Halo 2, for example, and, and games like that that went to become like classics, right? So that was the first time that I actually got into it. But then I realized that it was very sporadic, right? So around Christmas time was a lot of work. January, February, March, there was no work. So then you have to find another gig and all these things. So through other friends that we actually got, I finally got a job at Sega actually working full-time QA and that actually kind of took me like about three years of actually working QA and all that stuff so played many games there tested many games uh, Rome and football manager the very first football manager I was there doing all kinds of stuff and um, there was many many more um, what I found though is for everybody that wants to get into QA or are QA right now is that even though QA is absolutely crucial to games you don't really necessarily feel full time part of development you feel okay. a part of the team the but team not really secondary yeah because you're just finding bugs you're not actively putting things into game that make the game better right yeah and after a few years in qa you can definitely tell that right so that is basically what actually made me go i want to get into this proper i want to, want to get into this deep and i want to make a difference in the game properly but you know at that point i had played many many games and all that stuff i just realized that qa life was i needed more than the qa life that's a dope transition so obviously you've progressed in your career so if there's anyone who's brand new to you and don't really know too mm. much about what you're currently doing or what you're doing yeah. let the people them know Aye, man so currently I'm actually doing YouTube and I'm actually like doing online teaching and, and like doing all kinds of mentorships and stuff. But previously, <laughs> I was an animation director, right? And um, like my story goes all the way back to like, I don't know, do you play uh, Dead Space? I, do you know what? I haven't played it yet. I'm no. looking forward to the right, remake. Oh, good, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. gassed for the remake. I can't even lie. Re yeah, yeah, no, it's a good game. It's a good game. But yeah, no, yeah, like it goes all the way back. So I started in 2008 or something like that and working at an animation. So basically I actually went, did a university, studied university full-time, worked QA full-time, which was kind of bonkers. But I managed to actually then manage to transition after a few years into animation. Started working in games as an animator. And then I started working, for example, the GoldenEye reboot that came out for the Wii. Yeah, um, trash. Yeah, exactly. So I worked <laughs> on that. <laughs> so that was my first game that I actually went in. And it was actually a really nice experience because like you get to work in a game that you're passionate about. It's like, oh man, yeah. I remember these levels. But now you have to do them with Daniel Craig right and i'm like eh, it's not pierce brosnan you know what i mean like it doesn't feel the same way but but at least you get to revive some of those moments but as a developer instead of being a gamer right so you, you kind of feel like you made it um and and then it kind of just went on from there so i from then on i actually worked on crisis i, I worked on on homefront uh, i went to work on fable went to worked on horizon um, Total War, Warhammer, Battlefield, Battlefront. So I moved around a lot and I've been in a lot of studios, a lot of AAA studios over the years. 
Your resume is sick, my G. So, so sick, man. man. Super proud of what you're doing. And really, one of the things that I love the most about you is like, you're hella humble. Like, you're super humble, super nice guy. And your resume is crazy. All right. We need to talk a bit more about games before we run out of time. We're only a short form podcast. Um, the last couple of years have been incredible for gaming. Like the experience that like we we're old school going back from like we're talking about games like Alex the Kid and mm. stuff like Wonder Boy and Golden Axe to where we are at in gaming now. <laughs> Damn. Um, those <laughs> real cinematic games. What are two games of the last, let's say, 10 years? Mm-hmm. Um, you can even take it down to five that yeah. have really blown you away in both um, a creative standpoint mm-hmm. and also just the love of gaming. Oh man, tough question. This is like to- asking for a top five rappers. No, uh, it doesn't. No, just two games. It doesn't. I'm not asking your favorite. I just want two games, two games. that right. stand out to you from the pack. They don't have to be your favorite. Just two that stand out from the pack. Two, two that stand out. So first, um, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild for sure, for obvious reasons. I know you're a big Zelda fan as well, so you understand this. But as a as a as a game developer, seeing it from a game games developer perspective, that game does so much with so little, right? I mean, the platform Nintendo Switch is not a PS5, right? Yet they managed to cram a world that arguably feels bigger than any other world that you lived in, that you played in. And it kind of like gives you fun from beginning to end. And all game mechanics, the design of the game is fun. And it's like typical Miyamoto, typical Nintendo, I should say. But it's like, it's fun no matter what you do. If you're climbing walls, you're having fun. If you're shooting your bow, you're having fun. If you're riding your horse, you're having fun. And it just feels... It just feels like a wholesome game and you get super into it. I mean, Zelda's always been that way. You always shed a tear when you get to the end of the Zelda Zelda games because it's emotional and, and you feel really connected to the game. But Breath of the Wild took it to a whole new level and uh, I have to respect the, uh, the craft and the dedication that they had for that. Yeah, the game is amazing. Like, no pun intended, but it is properly a breath of fresh air. Oh. Like... I've been playing Zelda games from, I think my first Zelda game was A Link to the Past, um, old school, and I love the lore, I love the music, and I'm a story gamer, that's what grabs me, and the story of Breath of the Wild is secondary, it's not even the, the, the lead thing. Yeah. But I enjoy every moment of that game. That game is so special. Oh. And Nintendo is just literally, when Nintendo are great, no one can talk to no them. No one can touch them. No. Yeah. And that's no. them at their Nintendo being great. All right. Give me yeah. one more. One that's really I, stood out to you as well. God of War, the remake of God of War. And, and I say this as a fan of the original God of War and playing it. But like... The best thing about God of War and the thing that that actually makes me more excited is that the game director was an ex-animator. So it makes me feel good about about myself and about my career choices. (laughs) Man like Corey, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Corey. So, So Corey Barlog used to be an animator. And the thing about animation is that you actually see a lot of things through visual and also narrative, right? And you can see a lot of that through God of War. And the attention to detail, the attention to the animations, the game mechanics, everything works beautifully. I, I think one of the things that is taken for granted and not mentioned enough in that game is how you seamlessly go from the beginning to the end. 
Like literally just yeah. seem it's mad. Yeah, and and they have done that before, but not to this quality. And animation-wise, that is a nightmare because like I, I don't know if you know this but you have to match every single animation to each other so they can actually kind of like go back to idle and things we press a button you do something you come back you need to do that with cutscenes as well in order to make sure that as soon as you finish something you're actually ready to actually go into a cutscene to then go back into gameplay so you don't have any cuts whatsoever it takes you twice as long to game to make a game that way it's it's incredible yeah the game is insane i can't even lie like I'm a big PlayStation guy and I feel like The Last of Us really changed what a first party PlayStation game is. And mm. Corey really was like, do you know what? I can tell an adult story within God of War. And God of War has always obviously yeah. had adult themes, but it was just the over the top violence or sexual themes. And he was like, no, I can actually tell a yeah. real story, a real father and son story with this yeah. gruff, harsh man in one game and it was just completely just, yeah just heartwarming and, and you know what he did he did two things there that actually make makes a huge difference first you know how you feel about zelda when you play twilight princess or Karina of time that you feel yeah. get to the end and you like you feel emotional and like you feel connected you're like you're sad that you're no longer going to have to actually be in this cat with this character in this world because it's been a good journey he did that with god of war and not many western western studios can do that right yeah that's that's pretty amazing and uh the second thing i think is that man my mind just went blank <laughs> <laughs> do you know what harvey it's fine, it's fine. do you know what that's a good way to that's a good way to end we've actually gone over time oh yeah like we we've Three gone minutes. we've gone over sorry, the time sorry but do you know what that was such a good chat i've really enjoyed you having you on the podcast i'd love to invite you to come back on yeah man. um or, make you come back on the channel because it was really really great speaking to you um anytime if you want the people if someone's feeling your vibe if they're like you know what harvey's he seems like a cool brother i'm feeling the energy i'm feeling the yeah. vibe and you want people to come and uh and connect with you and reach out to you where should they come to check you out uh, just google harvey newman you, you're gonna get me uh, most likely first page or just go into uh, my website harveynewman.com and you can find the links there instead of just giving you like all kinds of social networks <laughs> <laughs> yeah me website there and you can go everywhere you yeah. want thank you for joining us so much on another episode of too many games and not enough time remember if you're listening to us on a podcast service come over to the youtube channel give a thumbs up give a like make sure you go and check out harvey's stuff you can see from the chat how much of a dope creator he is his cv is mad but he's super humble so he's always down for chats remember join the discord we have a huge competition going on, on the channel right now but we're doing an exclusive competition for people who come to join the discord as well he's been harvey i've been mr midas you've been the mvps and we out of here peace